Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. So we're continuing in our series of sermons on the events that took place in the life of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the final days of his earthly ministry. We're going to be looking at Jesus spending time in the village of Bethany where he had previously raised Lazarus from the dead. And now in this passage of scripture, we see that Jesus is the guest of honor at a dinner in Bethany. And then from Bethany, he's going to travel about a mile and or even less than two miles to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Hear now the word of the Lord. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among them, those reclining at the table with them. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus. She poured it on his feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, He used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. Let us pray together. Almighty God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit who inspired the Apostle John to write down this account of the dinner that Jesus had in Bethany. Lord, we pray that your same Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts and that you would enable us to understand the word that you have for us today. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, in the Gospel of John, in this passage of Scripture, we hear the story of an extravagant and loving blessing that was given to Jesus by Mary. And to help us to understand what was going on, I have a sonnet to read for you. Now, if you're like me, I hated poetry in high school. I didn't get it. I felt stupid because everybody else got it. I didn't know what a poem was. And then I started to become familiar with the ministry of an Anglican priest named Malcolm Geith. He was a professor at Cambridge University, taught poetry. He was also the pastor at the chapel at Cambridge University, and so he took care of the spiritual needs of the students while he was there. 
He's an expert in poetry. He's retired now, but he still lectures and he still writes. And he helps, he's been helping me to understand that poetry really isn't all that inaccessible. And it's a helpful way to communicate and also to understand what God is saying to us from the scriptures. So he has a book out called The Word in the Wilderness, and it's a poem a day for Lent and Easter. So he writes about this account of Mary anointing Jesus at this dinner. Come close with Mary, Martha, Lazarus, so close the candles flare with their soft breath and kindle heart and soul to flame within us, lit by these mysteries of life and death. For beauty now begins the final movement. In quietness and intimate encounter, the alabaster jar of precious ointment is broken open for the world's true lover. The whole room richly fills to feast the senses. With all the yearning such a fragrance brings, the heart is mourning, but the spirit dances. Here at the very center of all things, here at the meeting place of love and loss, we all foresee and see beyond the cross. Here in the Gospel of John, we have the account of this dinner and This dinner is also written about in the Gospel of Matthew and in the Gospel of Mark. And in the Gospel of Matthew and in the Gospel of Mark, some details are given that are not a part of John's account of the dinner. So I'll be referring to those Gospels as well. So Jesus is in Bethany, and he goes to the home of someone who is called Simon the leper, we're told in the other Gospel accounts. This person was probably one of the lepers that Jesus had healed. I mean, he's still referred to as Simon the leper, but it's not because he had leprosy. It was because he was healed of leprosy. If he still had leprosy, they wouldn't be doing anything in his house, right? So they get together in his home, and at this dinner are Jesus' friends, Mary and Martha, who were sisters, and Lazarus. Now, as was typical for Martha, she was serving the dinner. They had had other dinners together, and the scriptures tell us of how Martha was always busy preparing the food and serving the food and making sure the guests felt welcome and make sure that they were treated hospitably and lovingly. Martha had this deep desire to serve other people, but sometimes she became so consumed with this work, and probably sometimes she didn't get the help that she needed, she wasn't able to spend quality time with Jesus. But Mary was always able to figure this out. We heard about that in another gospel reading. But this time, Mary is at the feet of Jesus. And typically when a dinner is given, the guest is invited to come in and there's a servant who washes the feet of the guests. You know, so the guests arrive and they've already taken a bath and they're already clean, but because they're wearing sandals and going down dusty roads, their feet get all dusty and dirty. So when they come into the house, a servant is there to welcome them and to wash and dry their feet. And then the guest comes into the house and reclines at the table in order to have dinner. And this is a foreshadowing of what Jesus is going to be doing just a few days later at the Last Supper with his disciples. 
But instead of washing Jesus' feet with water, Mary takes an alabaster jar that is filled with perfume. The perfume came from the spikenard plant. The spikenard plant grows in India. It's a very expensive perfume, and it's mentioned earlier in the scriptures in the Old Testament in the Song of Solomon that was written back in 950 B.C. So 950 years later, earlier, for sure, people were using this type of perfume. So Mary takes it, and she breaks the alabaster jar, and she pours the perfume on Jesus' feet. This perfume was so expensive that it would cost a year's wages of a typical worker, 300 denarii. And she pours this perfume on Jesus' feet, and the house is filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Now, Bible scholars point out to this reference that John makes that the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume as proof that John was an eyewitness to the event. He didn't just report the facts. He talked about how the perfume affected the people's senses and how it created this environment for this great blessing to be poured out on Jesus by Mary. Now, to dry Jesus' feet, Mary uncovers her hair and she kneels before Jesus and she begins wiping his feet with her hair. Back at that time, women didn't uncover their hair very often. And to do it in a public kind of a setting like this was a tremendous sign of humility. And then to wipe Jesus' feet with her hair was an extravagant sign of love and devotion and humility to Jesus. Judas Iscariot, the one who would betray Jesus just a few days later, the one who was a part of the plot that the chief priests had put together to kill Jesus, Judas objects to what Mary has done. He said, why did she spend all that money on this perfume just to pour it on Jesus' feet? 300 denarii is a lot of money. It could have been used to take care of the poor. Oscar Wilde once wrote that a cynic is someone who knows the price of everything and the value of nothing. So Judas, the cynic, was commenting on how Mary had done something inappropriate. But Jesus says, you will always have the poor. You will always have opportunities to take care of them and to be a blessing to them. But you're not always going to have the opportunity to be with me. What Mary has done is to anoint me for my burial, anoint me for my death. The other gospel passages talk about that. So, you remember back at the very beginning of Lent, we talked about how Jesus went into the wilderness to be tempted there for 40 days and 40 nights by Satan. Right before he went into the wilderness, you remember that Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist and the Holy Spirit came upon him and anointed him to proclaim good news. 
Anointing, you remember, comes from the Hebrew word Mashiach, which is where we get our word Messiah from. Anointed in Greek is Christos. It's where we get our English word Christ from. So Christ, Messiah, anointed. It's all the same word. Here Mary is anointing Jesus. She's anointing the one who had been anointed by the Holy Spirit himself. Now, anointings are common in the scripture. Usually, they're done using olive oil. And when someone is anointed with olive oil, it's to enable them to heal. It's to enable them to experience wholeness. It's to enable them to understand that God loves them and that God has blessed them. Here, Mary is anointing Jesus preparing him for his trip to the cross. Later on, after Jesus was crucified, his body was taken to the tomb. And the next day, other women, also named Mary, anointed Jesus as a final preparation for his burial and to stay in the tomb. So Mary is part of this anointing of Jesus, not by the Holy Spirit, but by this perfume as a sign of God's love as a sign of a good relationship with God, as a sign that he is considered to be one of God's chosen, as a sign that he has been sent out to do the ultimate blessing that we can all experience, and that's the blessing that comes from having our sins forgiven. Now, Mary does this extravagant act of blessing in response to how she has been blessed by God. God pours out his blessing upon us, and he anoints us, so to speak, with his love. In John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever should believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So God pours out love on us and claims us as his own. And the word that's used in John 3.16 for love is the Greek word agape. Agape is a kind of love that is self-sacrificing, a love that is given extravagantly, a love that is given for the benefit of others. Later on in the Gospel of John, when Jesus spends time with his disciples at the Last Supper, he says, my command is this, love one another as I have loved you. Again, the same Greek word, agape. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Again, the same word for love, agape. So in response to this blessing of love that God has poured out onto Mary, in response to how she has been blessed extravagantly through the death of Jesus and the gift of God's own son by the Father, Mary responds by blessing Jesus extravagantly. You know, in the Psalms, we're told to bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. That's what Jesus has done for us. He's blessed us with all that he has. This is what Mary did for Jesus, blessing him with all that she had. And this gives us an opportunity to reflect on how we will bless the Lord with all our souls, with all that we have, with our very being. 
something that we can be thinking about as we approach this last week of Lent, as we're pointed to the cross, to experience again the salvation and the grace that God blesses us with from the cross. So here again, the sonnet written by Malcolm Guyton. Come close with Mary, Martha, Lazarus. So close the candles flare with their soft breath and kindle heart and soul to flame within us, lit by these mysteries of life and death. For beauty now begins the final movement. In quietness and intimate encounter, the alabaster jar of precious ointment is broken open for the world's true lover. The whole room richly fills to feast the senses with all the yearning such a fragrance brings. The heart is mourning, but the spirit dances. Here at the very center of all things, here at the meeting place of love and loss, we all foresee and see beyond the cross. Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org.